Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. This was my Desert Island Discs, like, yes. you know, for years. Like, I have my Desert Island Discs there ready, and I had my five. You had to be there as ready as well. <laughs> Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Excited to have Jess Kelly, the News Talk Technology Correspondent in the studio. How are you, Jess? I'm very well. How are you? Keeping well, thanks. We, we decided we wanted to talk about Hawkeye. Yes. Uh, oh, we got to stay. I needed that. <laughs> it's not a Jess Kelly slot about this. Well, you need the music. Oh, you can't hear this, yeah. No. We're playing Daft Punk music. Daft Punk like music for you. Oh. Sorry, go It signals to the masses. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate it. No problem. At least it's not wham. It's not wham. No. Oh, sorry, you, you've seen the documentary. Oh, I was like, Jess, don't tell me until you're on air, but she gave it away. She said it was good. No. Can you elaborate? Uh, so I felt many things. Yeah, I actually really liked it. So three things. Firstly, wham, are great. Like so many good songs that you kind of forget about. Number two, I felt guilty that I didn't fully appreciate the brilliance of George Michael until he died because I didn't realise he produced an awful lot. And I also didn't know that he backed away from that massive producer to do Careless Whisper again the proper way. So big respect. And the third thing that like really made me think afterwards the friendship between the two lads. It's beautiful. It is friendship goals. It's beautiful. Because you know, like we probably all know people working in the industry that we work with. When one person supersedes another person. Egos come in to mix. Massively. Yeah. And the fact that your man Andrew was able to just stand back and be proud of his friend. But was it obvious then that Mike, George Michael was the more ta- not more talented? Yeah, yeah. yeah very, very early on. But originally was the driving force behind them coming together. And he was the guy who looked after him in school when George Michael was the new kid. And he was the popular guy and the good looking one and very charismatic. So George kind of followed his lead in many ways. But, but you, then George superseded him musically very quickly. You kind of need that dynamic. Like yeah, I perfect. interview like a lot of businesses and startups and all the rest. And very often you'll have two people, the creative side and the creative force. And then you've got the business brain. And a lot of startups fail because there's like the ego, there's just the creative and they think they can do everything on their own. So I think the awareness of the two of them that they came together. And the only thing I had, and I don't know if it's my cynical head, is that an accurate portrayal of their actual relationship? Seems to be. I mean, the first thing I did after the documentary ended was I went on YouTube. Wikipedia. Okay, okay, YouTube. And there was an interview that George Michael did with Parkinson in 1998, weeks after the incident, the indecent exposure incident, however it was reported. And I was thinking, well, what's he going to say about Ridgely now? This is like less than a decade or just over a decade after they spill up. And it was very kind. And it was very much like exactly what was in the documentary 20 years later, which is like he stood away and was very happy for me to be successful and Parkinson asked him do you stay in touch and he was like well he's surfing in Cornwall these days so I don't see much of him but we're still very much friends Love so I, I, I it's easy to be cynical about the whole thing Ridgely obviously knew the limits of his talent but he still wished him well and was like no over to you and like you'd be welling up watching at the end their farewell concert and it's like Ridgely almost knows in his face like that this is the end of it and he even looks different like he had this beautiful mullet in the 80s like oh. you know suited the decade so yeah. perfectly but at the end he has his hair cut short and he's like much less kind of extroverted on stage and he's very much given the limelight to George and he, there is a bit of sadness because he's only going one way yeah. George and Ridgely's yeah. going the other yeah, I'm sure Ridgely was financially sorted out oh yeah Oh yeah, but I think right, right, sir. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's the partnership and it's the yeah. friendship. Yeah, because very often when you watch those music documentaries, it ends badly. Mm. You know, someone becomes the ultimate dickhead, and then they never talk yeah. again. And like, even if you watch stuff about the Eagles, as it goes through, they all start referring to each other as like Mister Whatever. They don't use each other's first names. Right. That's how like toxic Austin that relationship became. 
So, uh, no, it was a good recommendation, Colin. Well done. Thanks well done. very much. Well done. Yes. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, Colm's, yeah. When you're speaking of egos, Colm's ego needs the, the, mis- the oh, massage. Listen, you don't need to tell me about Colm's ego. Because <laughs> like, if you had come in here and said, oh, it wasn't good, or you know, if, if he recommends something and you say yeah. it's not good, his ego will get dented. No, 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 no I would just question though. you, though. Well, more than anything, but it's, it's artist objective. No, no, no. It's it's not just ego with Colm because it's the cork thing as well. Yeah, there is a higher superiority there level is. there. With He's got the cork swagger and then yeah, the ego for sure. That's 100%. it. Great to have you in here, Jess. Thanks uh, so much, Jim. Yeah, love Delighted it. to be here. Yeah, we are here to talk about Hawkeye. Yeah, um, but <laughs> I don't know how this. I don't know how it happened into our heads. I think the Armand Monaghan game recently. There was the incident where I think it was Michal Banigan from Monaghan kicks a score. The umpires are kind of looking at each other going, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and the referee didn't know. The players were both saying opposite things. Went to Hawkeye. Of course, they do their little symbol. Let's go to Hawkeye. And Hawkeye pops up with this file error. Basically, it hasn't worked. So, it, And it famously didn't work, infamously, in the Galway, or the uh, Galway Derry semi-final, was it last year? Mm. So it's had issues. Um, but what's, this, what's the background? So how, how does it work? So this is, like, it's very sophisticated technology. It's now owned by Sony. It was initially developed for cricket. And since then, I think it's in 80 different tournaments around the world. It's using a whole host of different sports. And it was brought into GAA in 2013. So the way it works, for those who don't know, because everyone will have seen it on telly but may not know. So there are nine cameras around Croke Park Mm -hmm. and they can triangulate to follow the ball. And what's really interesting is that it doesn't just do the controversial shots it follows the ball the entire time right. so it can be called in at any stage however it's like I think it's 1% of calls that it's relied upon it's very expensive technology the cost is around um, it's reported to be around between 7 and 8 grand to, to roll it out per match so it's a pricey bit of kit so when I saw that that, pri- that uh, <clears throat> number recently I remember thinking oh that's that's not too bad for Hawkeye but then but I thought that was the cost of just putting it in there and keeping it there but it's, that's per game yeah it's a massive amount of money because and if you go on to Croke Park they, they actually have a breakdown it has its own um, data server it has its own connectivity hub and all the rest so you know if there's thousands of people in Croke Park as there often is and they're all using their phones you don't want the internet yeah. buffering for Hawkeye so they have their own supply there um, so the cameras are connected up and it can locate the position of the pole no matter where it is up to 26 metres in the air and 4 metres wide and then it can map the sort of projected path of the ball so it's not just doing uh, a prediction Mm. it's mapping out where it was and where it was likely to go and so because often there's controversy around the calls because if it goes up beyond the the post that's very very controversial or wind factors or but they say, and I, I've watched an awful lot now in the last few while about this, it has to be within either the physical goals or the projected goals. Okay. Uh, so that is up so to the 26 metres. Exactly. And if, if it's not there, then it's out. But it has been controversial because it has failed a few times. So I was reading through some of the statements. I did get on to GA and I got on to Hawkeye. Hawkeye came back to say that they can't speak on behalf of their partners, uh, which is fair enough. So they directed me back to the GA. I didn't hear back from the GA. But having read through some of the statements that are up on the website, um, the GA's website, there have been different errors over the over the last few years. Mm. So the example, the Armour Monaghan game on the 2nd of July, the system came back with a data unavailable message. So that is like 404 error. It's just the worst. Um, the GAA got onto Hawkeye and they said that it was as a result of operator error. So 
you know in the comms box mm. there are usually two people who are running the, the Hawkeye system up in the comms box right. and it seems that they were kind of thrown under the bus by this statement it was an operator error that gave there's like that. pilot error like when you're talking about airplane incidents so they're blaming it on the humans yeah it was yeah basically so the system and it's quite interesting to see so they are capturing every single movement of the ball and then when it is called upon there is a bit of manual input required with the system and then it gets thrown up to, onto a monitor that then flicks it onto the big screens. So somewhere in that chain of events... Sorry, but the phrase, you have one job, comes to mind. Ah, like, ah no. no. If you read Let's the notes there, it's tough. But sorry, like, no, it's, it's tough it's, frame by frame. Si- yeah, but they're... they're well, they're, no, 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 the individual isn't doing the frame by frame video. I know, but the analysis of it, so I don't get it when it goes through the posts when they're showing it, and I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be tar or Neil. You think through the post is a Neil? Through the post is a Neil. But then you, I often, uh, I depict it as like slightly too inside the pulse basically and it would still be Neil. But sorry, I didn't mean to be harsh. I mean like if it's inputs that they have to put in to get the, like, yeah, so that's, not get that unavailable then do that right. Yeah, because the technology itself should do, and I suppose to explain it again a little bit better with the, the cameras that are in Croke Park, it does break down frame by frame and then does that sort of VR image that you see uh, mm. going over. And that is sort of very much automatic, but there is a level of human interaction required. Fire. Exactly, yeah. There was another one, another incident uh, in July of last year. And this one was a little bit more interesting in terms of the statement. They said it was a combination of unrelated issues. So this was a thing of it doesn't rain, but it pours. Uh, so including minor hardware failures that led to the score at the first half. There was, they, they did say that there was no historical issues um, and that they were going to review its own protocols as to how and when the system is being used. And then back in 2013, not long after it was introduced, there was an error and uh, it was as a result of an error in the match day setup. Right. Now, so it does sound like the tech company is blaming the human beings in every single instance. Uh, But the technology is very controversial. There have been a lot of reports and studies into this technology. Mm. Some people claim that the error of, uh, or the margin of error that it's given, because I think it's meant to be two millimetres, some reports that I read said that it could be up to 10 millimetres, right. which mm. that's a big could difference. Could be significant. Um, and if you look back at some of the calls over the years from Wimbledon as well, like they've been super controversial mm. and players get very, very frustrated about it. Some players don't like it at all. But as we spoke about last week when I came back from Wimbledon, they, with IBM, are now not not only using Hawkeye, but they're also using AI to verify the calls of Hawkeye. Right. So it's Double going, to, yeah, and it's going to continue in terms of levels of sophistication. But I think, like, there's a few different things. It's never going to be 100% right. Like, no. nothing is. Even the yeah. biggest tech companies, their servers go down or something goes wrong. If you want it to be completely scientific, then just play in a lab where all the conditions are completely 100% all the time. That's just that. But then also, what's the alternative? Because the umpires aren't going to get every call. They just physically can't see every single call. Fair enough. There's going to be that there as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting if you did a survey of the the typical GA fan if they'd rather do without or they take the technology. I know, look, sorry. I understand the 2013 issues, teething problems, fair enough. My concern is that like it's 10 years on now that the GA have been using it in Krug Park and Semple Stadium as well. Like, some of the issues, like when, when it comes up, like... As a Monaghan fan, <clears throat> when that ball... Are you from Monaghan, I, I, I know I don't say it too often. You should mention I know, more often. I should say it too often, uh, more often. You're up there with the Quirk stuff. Bingo. Take that off your bingo list if you, if you had it this morning, Monaghan. Uh, it's actually waited quite a while into today's show before mentioning them. But, like, you know, if that game was a draw. Ends up 
Mono winning, winning on penalties. But if if that ends up in a defeat, a one point defeat, or a team loses a, a massive game and it emerges afterwards, well, that ball looked over. Yeah, I mean you're sickened, and it's it's there's such huge issues at play here. These teams are training for months on end and years on end, mm. and to have something taken away by a by a small. But, that, but that's what I mean. Would you rather just go by a human decision rather than the uh, incorrect technology? So, like the week, weekend before last, so we've already alluded to earlier in the show, they dropped it for the second set of the football quarterfinals because yeah. there was an error on the Saturday, and there, I did, there was no real uh, dissent about that. Like, because I'd rather do human decision than a faulty system. Yeah, and but, fa- faulty decision was the issue last year, where the where it said the ball was over, or sorry, it said the ball was. That was the Galway Derry game. Yeah, yeah. So it said the ball was over when it was clearly wide, or the opposite. Vice versa. No, because Galway they wanted a point. Yeah, it yeah. said it was wide, but it was clearly it over. Wouldn't come out without the point being given. It's the Shin Walsh forty-five. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it 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 either doesn't work like that, or the data unavailable thing, which is most frustrating, I think. Like, yeah, but but again, there are a few factors that you need to consider here. You know, the the speed of the mm. game is a massive factor. Yeah. And I also think having you know that level of technology working in a stadium the size of Croke Park like it's not that it's crap technology it's Mm. just that you know maybe like two times out of a hundred you are going to have these instances and that's stupid question but I imagine the hurling is much more difficult than football yeah well because the size of the ball the velocity of the ball the height that it can go to like that definitely is a factor and I do think that that could sometimes lead into some of the decisions that we've seen uh, particularly when they are talking about the frame by frame mm. like if you read into some of the data that's there about the like how how much it has to capture and even the blur motion that would come up if you are breaking it down frame by frame there there has to be the consideration there yeah. but and I'd gladly be corrected I don't think there's another solution that would yeah because they had talked before, didn't they, about like changing the shitter and like putting maybe extra sensors in it or something yeah. like that. But that would change then the weight yeah. and a whole host of other stuff that maybe not like it's just not worth it. There's what he had that. So um, I, I don't know what the alternative is. Because this, this technology, like say golf tracing technology, when you see the ball yeah. being hit off, that's brilliant. In tennis, I think it does work. I know some players might not like tennis, it, but it, it's good it generally tennis. works. It's good in tennis. Goal line technology in, in football has been important as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like and, and generally speaking. I I like hockey. I think it work. It like it's great when it works. It's just when you have issues in massive games. Like, uh, sorry, if it's eight grand a game and and it's coming up data unavailable. Yeah, that's a waste of money. Like that's the <laughs> second most uh, interesting set from Jess's studies here. Brendan, oh, loads of interesting stats here, but less than one percent of calls need hockey. Yeah, that's. I did say that, that earlier. That's surprising. I know, but I need to go back and say it again. Like now, before you go, go on threads. Yeah. Should we be worried or excited? Uh, I don't think it should be on your radar because it's not available in the European Union. Is it going Union. to be? Uh, Sorry, possibly. For those of, explain this to us. I listened to a New York Times podcast yesterday about it. Did you? Sweep in America. Did you listen to my podcast about it? I did, yeah. Such a lie. Go that on, is there, such a lie. Look left when they yeah. lie. <laughs> such Go a on, liar. explain there to the masses. Uh, so this is Meta's alternative version to Twitter. Obviously, Twitter's gone through a tough time since Musk took over. Zuckerberg and his team had been working on this for quite a while. They wanted to have a conversation-based platform. Um, It's going to be, or in the US, because it launched last Thursday. So if you're basically not in the EU, uh, you can now get it. And it's associated with your Instagram account. Right. And that's the reason why we don't have it here, because of data protection laws. It's like really exciting as a topic. Uh, But basically, the Irish Data Protection Commission, which governs 
the likes of Meta here in Europe has said that because of the data sharing between the potential data sharing between Threads and Instagram, it's not allowed. They are reviewing it at the moment um, and hopefully we will get it. I do like the look of it. I'm completely over Twitter. I think Twitter is just the worst in capital letters. Oh, it's gone to the dogs, hasn't it? Yeah, but also nobody's been talking about threads more than Elon Musk has been talking about threads. Like every second tweet about uh, from him is about it now. So I don't know. Now, I did actually see Mark Zuckerberg posted yesterday that they haven't monetized or they haven't opened up the ad side of things on uh, threads as of yet. So I wonder now when they start drip feeding uh, ads in and all the rest of people get sick of it and realise it's just another social media platform. There was also something I saw from, I think it was the New York Times, that questioned uh, the moderation side of things right. on threads. Um, they didn't confirm that they'd hired moderators, I think, for the new application. And as we know, trolls are the worst thing about social media. So if that's not in place, then it's dreadful. Something I noticed yesterday, uh, Twitter has changed the reporting things that you can report uh, abuse for on the platform now. Okay. So if someone is just like harassing you and being like awful, those uh, options are now gone. It has to be like the worst of the worst, uh, which is not good because if you are someone on the platform and you are being targeted. Yeah. Like, what else do you do? do? Yeah. It's the worst of the worst. Could be subjective, like depends yeah. who you ask. 100%. Just looking there, Twitter has 250 million active users. By Monday, threads had reached 100 million. So catching up reasonably quickly. The two lads on, like this this whole back and forth Musk and Zuckerberg are having. Oh, it's so... It's Messi, Messi versus Ronaldo of the tech world. No, but we've changed, like we've so worked for that. years to change the perception of technology as not oh. just being dudes in doses, hoodies and doses, jeans. Like. And now they are completely undoing it all by being the whitest of white men and just being... Wow. Horrific. Musk looking for a, a literal dick measuring contest. I think what was the latest? Well, you know, said, uh, what uh, more would you expect I mean, from him? It just sums the whole thing up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how we got there, but but I'm glad we did. Uh, Jess, great stuff as always. Thank Thanks so much for hopping in and explaining Hawkeye to us. That uh, don't exactly know how it works, but now I feel a little bit more enlightened. To be fair. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.